In Raymeyer's time, there were hundreds of informal powwow practitioners throughout this area. One was named John Blymeyer, a sickly and sad man from a family of Brockers who traced their spiritual lineage back to Pennsylvania's most famous witch, Mountain Mary. But John Blymeyer could keep none of his powwow patients. He was reduced to working in a York cigar factory. He could figure out no explanation for his hardship, save perhaps the answer obvious to someone of his background. He must have been hexed. Welcome back to the Wellhouse Exorcism. This is your ghost of a host of the most, Shanna. Howdy. Howdy, 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 howdy. I'm PJ. It's beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you like Toy Story? Dark right, I do. Of course you do. Which is your favorite? One, two, or three? One. <sighs> My favorite is... Don't say four. Is there a four? It's the terrible one. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we think it's terrible. <laughs> um, I forget. That one doesn't even exist. In my head, one, two, or three. I was going to say the that spooky one. That one deserves one, an episode on here. Oh, man. <laughs> um, the spooky one's good. I love that one. <laughs> the Christmas Carl. special, too. <laughs> that one's good, too. You're right. All right. We're back here for the murder house hex murder stuff. I'm sick. So that was an intro. Those were words. So I'm, I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to edit that out. I need your mom mom's drink for to go back to yep, those. The old... drink. I need, the, need drink. the drink. I'm so sick. Um, anyway, we're here for the Hex House murder part two. There we go. Now I got it. Hey. I'm so proud of myself. So last time we were here, what do we talk about? Recap for me because I'm literally sick. I can't remember. Well, we talked about powwow medicine. True. And what that entails and how it's like an active prayer is what they believe. And it can only be taught from man to woman or woman to man unless you're teaching to a table. <laughs> or a piano. Because <laughs> that totally gives this whole belief system legitimacy right there. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, like, I, I was I was open to the idea of powwowing until, until I heard that. I was like, what? That's extreme equality is what I call it. <laughs> oh, boy. You're right. Um, and we kind of talked a little bit about Nelson Raymeyer and John Blymeyer because they're going to be really important for this yes. part of the story. So let's start by talking about Nelson Raymeyer. I cuz he's the dude who's going to get mm-hmm. did here. Okay. Gotcha. All right, cool. Um so he was born in 1868. Um that's this is several decades after the first Raymeyers came here in Pennsylvania 1840s just so you know. He was a farmer, uh primarily potatoes. I think right. Eli would appreciate. Yes, he would. Yes. Um, now, people called him a hermit and a recluse um, when they heard that he had been killed. But that actually isn't really true. He was a homebody. And if yeah. we watch the um, the documentary, they kind of go over it, too. He was a really well-known power. All mm-hmm. day and night, people were knocking on his door. So it wasn't that he was a hermit. It's just that he was always at home because he was always needed. To the point where his wife, Alice, like went to her family home across the hill instead because she couldn't take being <laughs> woken up all night. I'll just I'm... stay in my bed. Across the way. With the kids. You stay in your own house, honey. I think it's interesting. And uh, I guess they would, like, meet up for laundry drop-offs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear about married couples who live in separate, live sleep in separate bedrooms and things like that, but... Different houses, Yeah, too different here. houses is something I'm, else. I'm just leaving you. But he was well-known to be helpful, because, again, he was a power, yeah. not a hex doctor. So he was actually a really, really good yeah. person. Which is saying something, because, like, that's something that I didn't know, is that powwowers were a dime a dozen. Like, you know, there are a lot of people practicing this yeah. in the early 1900s. So for him to like stand out above the rest shows that, you know, people respected him and uh he got it done. Yeah, yeah, whatever whatever he did, you know, it definitely had an effect on them. He must have had the drink. Man, yeah, Nelson, that's it. I could use the drink right now. <clears throat> Let me tell you. So John Blymeyer, very different. Now, according to some sources, he was a pretty good powwower. Others, he was not. Mm-hmm. So really, I'm, I'm going to go with the he was not because it kind of fits the story better. So I think he may have had some, he had some good moments. Yeah. And he was a good powwower in moments. But I think he was overshadowed by some kind of like psychosis. And the, we, and, uh, the documentary, well, there's a documentary, by the way, that's um, 
uh, made by a Pennsylvanian. You know, you get to meet a lot of the Rymeyers and uh, um, they and uh, what was his name? John. John's family. Mm-hmm. Like they, you meet a lot of them too. Um, and they all attest that he probably had some kind of learning mm-hmm. disability as well. He was a little slower than yep. others. Um, and they they said that they wonder if he was like um, insane in some way because yeah. they don't they didn't know what what words to use. But there is um, a history of like mental disease throughout their family, mm-hmm. so they're thinking that that's probably what's going on with him. Yeah. Um. You know, not that he didn't believe it. He thought he was hexed. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he was also a power practitioner, as I mentioned. He was born in York County in 1895, so he's younger than Nelson. Um, so depending on the, again, the stories that you read, um, he is great or not great. Now, the one big story that I mentioned to you was, of course, the the dog, the rabbit dog. Yes. Right? So he yes, was... tell us that story. Oh, that's... I'll get to it. Oh, All right. okay. So he did have an excellent reputation as being a powwower at this time period because of the dog. But no matter how good he was as a powwower, he thought there was just this shadow hanging over him. Again, like he thought it was a hex. Mm-hmm. Um, so since he couldn't... I mentioned before in the last episode, you couldn't be a full-time powwower. You had to have another job on the side. Yep. So he could not make ends meet just being a powwower. So he worked at the cigar factory, as I'd mentioned. So one day he's leaving the cigar factory and everybody can see this rabid dog coming at him. They're getting freaked out because he's pretty rabid. It's a rabid dog. <laughs> but um, according to all the stories, and there's like multiple accounts of this, yeah, so it had to yeah. actually have happened. Blymeyer approaches the dog. He says something to it. No one knows what he says. Um, and then after that, the foaming mouth ended. He patted on its head. It became very subdued and kind of happy to see him. And Blymeyer like went off, kind of like walked away, and the dog followed him for a while. So like, I think it's interesting that this dog like obviously is rabid. Yeah, right. Stops foaming at the mouth somehow, and then decides to follow him. He's like all happy. <laughs> Maybe he paid someone to squirt toothpaste in the dog's mouth. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> it's um, just friends. I can't believe yeah. squirt toothpaste in blueberries. <laughs> Guess what's going on there. Oh, I don't know. They never mentioned the dog after that, though. So much of it went back to being rabid. <laughs> or, Best of luck to you. They did like um, another example is to kill to kill a mockingbird when he got Atticus shooting the rabid dog. Like, did that happen later? We don't know. <laughs> but for those couple of minutes that Blymeyer was there, it was fine. Um, but after that, he did become ill again. And that's when he started believing that there was another practitioner out there putting a hex on him. Mm-hmm. Now, on a different uh, note, he was married. Okay. Um, so let's go back to the happy. Um, he does move away after the dog thing because his luck begins to change once he gets that hex kind of taken away from him. Because it does say here, John Blymeyer was doomed to his hex and started to waste away. One night, however, Blymeyer had a feeling he knew who hexed him. It was his great-grandfather Jacob. Since he could not fight a spirit's hex, he decided to move away from his home, which seemed to help cure the curse. No, it wasn't malnutrition. It was my great-granddaddy who was dead hexed me. Um, Anyway, so he met Lily. They marry. They have two children. But both those babies die in infancy, which is sad. Mm -hmm. So having those tragedies leads John to once again believe that he is hexed or still hexed and hasn't gone away. Um, He starts becoming incredibly suspicious. I would say to the point that's almost like schizophrenic. Yeah, that was what I was thinking, too, when I heard about all the symptoms and everything that sounds like schizophrenia. And he would, he would like you know, the idea yeah. of something looming over you all the time, and... and they're always there watching to the point where Lily actually like is afraid for her life because the way that he's acting out in the house yeah. and everywhere else. So she consults a lawyer, and she's able to actually get him put into a mental hospital. Now this is like you know the 1800s, early 1900s. That's surprising, yeah. you know, because women didn't have as many rights as they do now. So uh, what I find interesting though is he's sent to Harrisburg State Hospital, which we've already had an episode on, and. You know, the website paints a pretty picture, but apparently John was able to just leave. He just walks away. Like, he was there for 48 days, and then he just walks away. Yeah. And no one really thinks, oh, wait, let's go check on our patient. (laughs) Where are the record keepers? But what's interesting, they didn't mention this in the documentary, that was 25 miles from his home. He walked all the way back home. Wow. Yeah. I'm so amazed. A literal marathon. Yes. 
That's how far he walks. Yeah. So it's crazy to me that again, like that, oh, Harrisburg State Hospital, you can paint whatever picture you want, but you letting people walk out. Mm -mm. All right. But anyway, so he goes back to the cigar factory and he works there um, for a little while. But at that point, the curse is just getting so bad. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's awful. Yeah. So he goes and visits the River Witch of Marietta, Nellie Knoll. <laughs> she identified um, Bly Meyer's enemy as none other than Nelson Raymeyer. Mm. Even though they were all family friends. No, 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 no. And so, like, in his mind, it's all coming full circle. Oh, I knew yeah, it. Right. I knew it from the beginning. Um, so she, he, the, initially though, the, the one story that was in the documentary too, is he's not sure which, or she's not sure which one of the Raymeyer family it is. So she puts money in his hand and she said, you know, when you lift this up, you'll see a hand, a face in your hand, cover that person as you see in your, in the hand of, of you will be the guy that is doing it. Looks at the money and he sees a, the face of Nelson. And so that is how he realizes it's Nelson. It's because he sees it in his hand. Right. I believe it. Not at all. But anyway, totally not schizophrenic behavior. <laughs> not in any at way. all. Um, so she says, all you need to do is get his copy of a long lost friend and a lock of his hair and bury it six feet underground. And then you're good. Yep. That totally makes sense. Too. Yep. Long lost friends for those who don't remember is the quote unquote spell book, the powwow book mm -hmm. uh, that they use. Yes. Yeah, so it was typed and it wasn't supposed to be typed. It's always confusing. Anywho. So he knows now he has to go find that book and he's got to cut off a lock of Nelson Remeyer's hair. So I feel like if you're a powwower and, you know, you want to go talk to somebody, couldn't you just be like, listen, I know you're hexing me. Can I have your book and a lock your hair? Yeah. I feel like from what I've learned of Nelson, Nelson would be like, yeah, sure. Clip, clip. Here's a book. Have fun. <laughs> like, whatever. Get out of my house. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Because murder has to happen instead. So shall we get into Naturally. the murder? Let's do it. All right. So while he's working at the factory, um, he met two other people who also believe that they were suffering because they'd been hexed. One was a 14-year-old named John Curry. Like imagine like a teenager, like an eighth grader, ninth grader. Oh, I'm cursed. Um, he was actually also trapped in an abusive household. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of like mental disease there. Like for him, it's like PTSD. But he thought there was a malevolent force like causing all this trouble at home. Like if they weren't hexed, it wouldn't be happening. You know, mm -hmm. we won't mm -hmm. be, people wouldn't be abusive. Another person was Milton Hess, who um, is discussed a couple of times in the documentary as well. His wife, Alice, um, they had both been very prosperous until 1926 when, of course, the witches started hexing his farm because all the cows stopped producing milk and all the crops started to fail. Which? Yep, they lost a lot of money. Witches. Yep. What can you do? Witches be crazy. Yeah. Couldn't be that the animals were not getting fat or stressed and it couldn't be, you know, some kind of uh, no, not disease. At all, no, 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 no. no. So when he was talking to Blymeyer, he's like, oh, yeah, I got a hex on me, too. It's good. I got to understand. So anyway, they, he's already gone to the River Witch of Marietta, i.e. Nellie Knoll. She places that dollar bill on his hand. He sees Nelson's face. So he knows he's got to go take care of him. Mm -hmm. Now, the sad thing is he actually knows Nelson very well because when he was a kid, he was taken there as a small child actually. Mm. And um, he was very, very sick. His grandfather and father take him over there. And Ray Meyer heals John as a five-year-old. Uh, it sounds like he actually had malnutrition. You know, that's what I'm going to go with. But again, Nelson actually saved his life. And how I'm going to thank you? I'm going to kill you? It's ridiculous. Do you think he was planning to when he got there? I think so. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, something else, too. When Blymeyer was 10, he actually went to work on Nelson's farm, and Nelson paid him 25 cents a day to work with the potatoes. So, like, Nelson actually gave this yeah. guy a job, too. Like, mm -hmm. again, Nelson was a nice person, <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm going to go kill him instead. It's fine. Um, so, anywho, so off they go. So, we have uh, John heading off with um, his little 14-year-old John Curry and Wilbert Hess instead of Milton, and they head on over to do this. Now, they go on November 26th. They um, first go to Alice's house, because there's two Alices, Milton's wife and then Ray Meyer's wife. And um, Alice Ray Meyer, she's like, no, Nelson lives over in his own house. I live over here, so go on down the hill, and you'll find him in the hollow, you know, in the, the Ray Meyer hollow. And they go, okay, so cool, so off they go. So she gives them the direction, so she knows all three of these dudes are going down to that house. Mm -hmm. So right away, like, you're stupid because you now like you've met a woman and they she knows that you're going there and you're the last people that like she sees with her husband for uh, yeah. it's just 
I You're really are, telegraphing where you're going and what's <laughs> gonna happen next. People are idiots. So anyway, they Terrible go alibi. <laughs> we we left there early. <laughs> um so anyway, they go in there, they talk to Raymeyer for a few minutes, and then like literally they're there like for the whole night to the point where where like they've been talking for a very long time and Raymeyer is like, you know, it's really, really late. I don't think you guys should drive home tonight. How about you guys just sleep here and I'll make you breakfast in the morning? Again, he was a really nice I dude. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, sure. Um so he they he offers them their sleeping quarters and they decided that while he was asleep they would take like you know turns looking for the spell book but they were unable to find the spell book you know the long lost friend yep um they debated on whether or not to try and get a lock of his hair but they decided that he was too big for them to kind of like hold down and cut the hair because Ray Meyer even though he was like you know sixty years old he was six foot two and yeah, that's when they mentioned guy, yeah. yeah they mentioned that in the um in the documentary he was a very very tall man. You see his copy of Long Lost Friend, too. They, just sitting on the bookshelf. Find, yeah. Pretty easy to find. Couldn't. I don't know what their problem was, but. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, um, they decide they're going to come back then to take care of it, right? So, they, they end up leaving and they come back later. And so, that is when all the bad stuff happens. So, it is yeah. late that night, the night of November 27th, that they return. And you say, like, did he plan to kill him? Well, they, they come bringing sticks and ropes. Yeah, like the, I forgot about the fact that they left and came and, back. Yeah. So, yeah, they come they come back with the sticks and ropes. They knock on the door. They tell Ray Meyer, oh, we, th- we forgot something here. Like, that was their ruse to get back in the house. And, of course, him being nice guy's like, yeah, come on in. I'll help you find it, whatever it is. And they go in. Bring your sticks. <laughs> bring your sticks and your rope. That's cool. Um, so <laughs> he'd had no problem coming in. Uh, they all went to the front room, but the thing is, like, Raymire never got, like, a chance to, like, fight back because it, while his back was turned, they tackled him to the floor. Yeah. And that's when they truss him up. They try to. Now, interestingly enough, like, when I was doing my research, what I found isn't exactly what was said in the um, documentary. Mm-hmm. And so I thought the documentary was actually very helpful for me because all the articles were like, well, no one really knows what happened. But I'm like, well, there's a lot in the documentary that wasn't in your articles. <laughs> Do you remember what happened in the documentary? Uh... I only remember the end part of it, not the initial, like, attack. Okay. So you can take care of the rest. You hop in when you want to. So, you know, they do have 25 feet of rope and multiple sticks. Mm-hmm. So they tie him down, and then they whack him across the head. And it's, um, Blymeyer's choking him to try and keep him, like, from fighting. And then Curry actually is one who smashes him on the head with a block of wood. Mm-hmm. So hard that, like, he, like, topples to the ground. Like, yeah. it is it is bad. And that was actually the fatal blow. It actually mm-hmm. basically killed him. It, he yeah. was not completely unconscious. So Thank goodness, considering what comes next. Yes. Do you want to take over now? So that's what happened because, there Because uh, at this point, they set him on fire. And um, Well, they first ransacked the house looking yeah, for well, the book. Well, yeah, looking for the book and everything. Yeah. And then they set him on fire. And the fire is contained to just, like, his body. It doesn't spread to the rest of the house. But it burns through the floorboards and a little bit of the support beam, which happened to be right at his hip bone. And so when everyone found him, like, two days later, the next day. I was a they, few days later. It was a few days later, yeah. as I thought. Um, they found his charred body, but hanging like draped around the support and the thing beam. is he wasn't very charred because of how the floor had broken through like they kept saying oh my gosh he didn't burn you know because yeah which i thought was they think it's because the blood coming out of his head would have squelched the fire around his body but uh, you know not on the floor hmm. and anything any extra would have like you know leaked down at the potato bin below him in the basement which is Jeez. gross yeah that was mentioned in the documentary i was like oh yeah no. but now the house is a museum i'm sure we'll talk about this a bit more but um uh, and they have like just a glass pane over the charred support beam, and you can look down into the basement. I thought that was really cool. Again, that's not that's gruesome, but it's cool. It's not in the article, but like for me, like it kind of put everything better in context. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So I mean, it was definitely a really heavy like murder. It's definitely not an urban myth. Like yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this actually happened. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they said like you know, his body was still there. It wasn't on fire. Um. Actually says here, many locals believe that even in death, Ray Meyer's powwowing pi- powers were strong. That's what kept him from burning. This oh, is right. powwowing powers. What I, what the whole thing with the with Curry whacking him on the head so hard, like he hit him hard enough that he broke uh, poor Ray Meyer's skull, and that caused his bone fragments to cause hemorrhaging in his brain, mm. which is why 
They thought he was dead. Yeah. But he wasn't completely. And so some people have um, wondered if maybe he did a little bit of like stopped up and roll too. And that's why the fire uh, didn't hit him because yeah. he kind of woke back up. If that's the case, I feel for him. That is just awful. I mean, yeah, with that kind of like brain swelling and everything too, it could have just been convulsions like, you know, that made him roll and. Yeah, seizuring. Yeah. You know, stop the, uh, the flames that way. So. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is like they're still looking for that book after they've killed him. But once the hexing, once the person who created the hex is dead, the hex is over. So it's like, why are you still looking for the book? Yeah. <laughs> Which is something that like one of the articles on just like why they were looking for it makes no sense because the guy is dead. But anyway. And like it's not like they couldn't just go to a local bookstore and get five more copies because they were everywhere. <laughs> but it wasn't his. They needed his for some reason. Nellie Noel told him. Yeah. A witch, man. She told him. Maybe I mean, they didn't know that if they if he died, the hex would end. Maybe I wonder if you should trust like trust a witch because they're the ones who make the hexes. Yeah, you're gonna go visit the witch who tells you to go kill him. Yeah. I you know thinking about that now. Mm, yeah, interesting. But anyway, so they tried to stage the house like you know, of course it had been broken into. But again, only Al, only person that's all was Alice. Like she knows it's three three dudes. But anywho. They, uh, two days later, a neighbor does discover Ray Meyer's body, um, tells authorities. The crime, of course, stuns the community because he was a great person. Mm-hmm. It took no time at all to pick up Bly Meyer as a suspect, uh, you know, because Alice saw him and two other dudes. Uh, and, of course, this is, this is 1928, so there's media coverage. And yeah. it, like, makes national news. People are, like, going crazy. Because people in Pennsylvania, this is less than 100 years ago, believe in witches. This is ridiculously stupid. And so we did not look good then, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, But there is, of course, a big court case. And not only did people in Pennsylvania believe in witches, a lot of people... Uh, someone, a yeah. lot of people. <laughs> There's like at least Again, one this book <laughs> was all over the place, and there are powwowers, like multiple powwowers in one town. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, so of course they and the, if you want to watch a documentary, they go over like you know who gets what for jail sentences. They are all convicted, of course. Um, it's free in on some YouTube. Way. It's a great yeah. documentary. Yeah, some people go for a long while, some go for a little while. Um, it was in, listening to the different like lawyers and their discussions, like how they try to get people off of like you know you know, to manslaughter or whatever. It was interesting to see like, you know, just all of that back less than a hundred years ago. But anyway, um, so the media coverage picks this, this up and it is just this huge obsession then for like the United States because I do that folk magic and the supernatural like are still happening in Pennsylvania. Like, People are like, this is the modern. This is the modern age. Like, we already... This is the 20th century. Yeah, we, we need to... We already fought World War One. Like, <laughs> we're in the roaring 20s. What is happening right now? Yeah. Um. So, anyway, they start getting all these labels for hex murders. And so, uh, at this point, it's interesting. Like, all law enforcement officials, doctors, and educators, they all start working together to try and, like, find... Um, all these superstitious and like what they see as like dangerous practices that are allowing for people to be killed. Because, you know, if you take your five-year-old like John to a powwow doctor to fix malnutrition, he's just praying over you and that's all it is. You're not going to heal them. And as I read last time, you know, like some of the stuff makes absolutely zero sense. So it's not going to help them survive. Um, So there are stories about like people who have like children being killed. So you have all these people working together and Pennsylvania looks even worse because <laughs> not only is there this big, you know, trial going on for a guy who was brutally murdered in his house by three people, but there are other strange cases like it says here during the Raymeyer murder trial, York County coroner LV Zach claimed that the deaths of five children in the previous two years had been caused by powwowers. He said that the children's parents took them to folk healers when they were sick instead of real doctors. And as a result, they died. He did admit that there had been no formal investigations of the cases, but that they were a matter of common knowledge. So it's like, okay, the coroner knows this is happening, but no one's stopping it. I don't, yeah. I don't get that. Like five babies died because of you. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta stop it. But anyway, the New York times actually picks up that story and, uh, they discuss the death of five babies lay, um, because of which cult, like, so they get it wrong. Of course, and sensationalize <laughs> it. Because powers aren't a witch cult, you know. But again, like you have that. But happen. to an outsider, I like, guess so. Yeah, I guess they would see. I, I, like now that I've researched powwowing at least a little bit and everything, like I know what they believe it is and all that. Still, freaking looks like witchcraft to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, 
during all this too, like you know how in rural Pennsylvania, you look at the the barns and there's like these really cool like circles to put pretty designs on them. Mm-hmm. Even driving up to like like Homing Mall, there's that big old circle on that one uh, red barn oh, on the right. Yeah, yeah. That's actually like from Lancaster. That's like Amish design. That's all these powwow ideas, and there are all these symbols on there to try and make sure you have a good harvest and healthy animals. So like I was looking into that research, kind of going down the rabbit hole, like all those Hmm. different designs, they're actually called hex designs. So the Amish may not like follow this depending on which article you're reading, but they're putting those up on their barns. So like they do believe in it a little bit. So I can see how to an outsider you think, okay, well, witches believe in those kinds of things like ritualistic hexes and whatnot. So I could see them using that term. But again, really more so just to sensationalize it. So poor Ray Meyer, of course, is murdered. Um, his family is like never, well, I should say like the Bly Meyer family like never really gets over it. Like they, his wife, Lily, um, she goes on to live an okay life. But I mean, everyone is kind of traumatized by all of this. Um, now, of course, modern day flash forward, you have um, the, is he the great-grandson of nelson who's in I charge think, of the I house think he's great-grandson yeah you know you have people reliving this story and like teaching it to others you know he has set up the house as a, basically like a, a museum he dresses actually in nelson raymeyer's clothes which is yeah kind of gross <laughs> but kind of cool um and of course all the blymeyers they have no problem talking about it like they agree that like john blymeyer was crazy um but the documentary also showcases that like there are modern day powers they interview two of them like yeah, and you, get, you get to see a couple um, incantations uh, yeah, or yeah. charms, I think they call one of they them. Charms. Uh, you see, like, one guy makes a protection charm, and he on a piece of paper, he folds it up, and he's like, here, put this in your pocket, and nothing bad will happen to you. And then another one does it on a paper plate. or On, on a plate, plate with chocolate syrup. And then he puts it in, you run the water over into a different cup, and you have to drink it, and, and then... And you drink the cup yeah. down, yeah. He's like, some people chug it, some people sip it over a day, you know, whatever. Uh but yeah chocolate i mean cool and and it's it it made me think of in catholicism there are these paintings called icons Mm -hmm. and um they're visually very odd looking paintings i believe like they all have a certain style to them and i find them very interesting but odd uh and when you are painting them you're supposed to be actively praying the entire time time, yeah you're you're painting them and that's how this is like when this guy is doing the chocolate syrup thing on the paint, you know, he's actively focusing and like, you know, he's praying as he's applying all these symbols yeah. onto the plate. And then as he's pouring the water over, you know, into the cup, uh, you know, that has to be like very gentle, very, you know. You have to wash all of the design off into the next cup of water. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, like I mentioned, you mentioned Catholicism. Again, we have all these different religions who have, we have our own beliefs. So, and powwowing kind of came out of, you know, like the, the Protestant section of faith that the Amish and the, mm-hmm. the Mennonites, not like the, the, the Anabaptists, I but guess. But firmly based in Christianity. Yeah. And they still use like Catholic, like iconography. They mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the Virgin Mary and all the saints. And actually one of the powers was the talking. Cross. Yeah, they were talking about her and they used her like in one of the prayers, like when mm-hmm. they were talking. So it, it's interesting how they have like kind of melded different religions together. Um, oh, how about the headache cure? Uh <laughs> I would just take some Tylenol. Yeah, just throw it away. <laughs> Our listeners can't see you. But you gotta watch the documentary. Take, yeah, he, he take your hand. You kind of and you like almost like you're brushing your hair down in front of your face. You pull it down to your nose and your front of your face, and you grab it and you throw it away. Yeah, you know, imagine you're grabbing, grabbing your, your aura. Head. Yeah, and you're tossing and, like it. there's because uh, so, the way one of the powwowers says he's like for laying on of hands, you don't actually touch anyone, and just the term laying on of hands is like Catholicism. Yeah, you know, and Christian. Well, like. But it's, anyways, de- it's definitely Pentecostal. Yeah. But anyways, uh, uh, you know, like they trace like the top of your head, grab this imaginary like outer layer of your face and then pull it off of your, you know, body or aura. And toss it. What happens? And... Like, if you toss it away, does it go on somebody else? Did you like inadvertently hex somebody else? <laughs> I-, I was thinking like, no, what if you, you pull your headache off and you toss it I thought it, it just got dissipated into nature. Is how I, I hope kinda... so. Otherwise, like, imagine you're sitting to my right and a boom, headache, bam. You feel bad. <laughs> but they also say that if you are the the powwower, you you have to have a really high constitution because you're taking that on to yourself, right? So do you get the headache? Hmm. 
No, because he's not like bringing it into himself. He's just tossing it away. Also, know. if you get constant headaches, you want to go to a powwower, please go to a doctor. You could have many things wrong with you. Yeah. You could have migraines. Seek you could real have medicine, eye please. issues. Yeah. I'm just, you could I, have I can't, sinus let, issues. Let me echo from last week. Don't be Steve Jobs. <laughs> One of his dying phrases was that he wished he had seen a real doctor earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you, we might still have Steve Jobs if he yes. had just seen a doctor. That's true. All right, so back to these guys then. So, you know, the word witchcraft is being used, um, but Blymeyer and Curry both are sentenced to life in prison for first-degree murder, but Hess is only given 10 to 20 years for second-degree murder because of how his lawyer, you know, like, fought the, the discussion of, like, what it was, how to kill somebody, that kind of stuff. Now, Blymeyer's sentence was eventually commuted, and both Curry and Hess were paroled, so they didn't spend life in prison. Hmm. All right? But before we go into the other examples of hex murders and hex issues i'd like to take a jaunt down kyle lane here and get his creepy thought all righty about last week's episode let's hear what he has to say i think one of the people i thought it would be a good idea if we turn i think it's some the the girl i thought it would be be a good idea if we i thought i thought it would be a good idea i thought i thought it would be a good idea good idea into the the girl from ringu this is bad this is really bad it's a Ouija. <laughs> I'll never not laugh. Nope. <laughs> when it comes to hexery or powwow medicine, I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. Thank you, Kyle. However, <laughs> if you think about it, these traditions aren't much different from most of the things that a majority of people believe in today. If you've ever knocked on wood or thrown salt over your shoulder, if you're like me and have had an iron horseshoe hanging above your door, if you open doors and windows or cover the mirrors when there's a death in the family, You've practiced hexery. Or if you, like Laura and Ray, have smudged your home or bodies, you've practiced a portent form of magic. A magic passed down from indigenous peoples. In the end, we're all magicians arguing over whose magic scares away the evil in the dark. Meanwhile, the dark things out there might just be waiting for the night that you lose faith in your personal hex. Boogie, boogie, boogie. I love that ending. That's a good Super ending. Creepy. That's a really good ending. You guys fight over who's better. I'll just be hanging out here waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Is that good? <laughs> I just picture like the Grim Reaper looking at his watch. Like, mm-hmm. How many more minutes do I get them fighting over? With? Mm-hmm. All right, time to go. Let's go. <laughs> top, top. I, I agree with him. Like, I don't put much uh, faith in powwowing. I do think that there are like medicinal cures. And it's like my mom's drink. It'll get you drunk. You know, but it also feel better. <laughs> feel better, but it will suppress your cough. You know, there's honey in there, which is, you know, a natural mm-hmm. antifungal and it's good to coat your throat to get rid of all the sore stuff. So like lots of spices to open up your senses. And, yeah. So like, I, I think it's a great drink. I would like it. Minus the gross flavor. Except for the taste. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's, you know, things you're supposed to drink the day after drinking too much to cure your hangover. Some of those work really mm-hmm. well. Some of them do not. So I do put a lot of, like, stock in yeah. those things. And even, like, little little kids like Eli right now, his big thing is, like, what should you drink after eating a hot wing? You know? And, yeah. and <laughs> not water. <laughs> So like I think like there's there's truth in that, but I I don't put much stock in power medicine in general because the idea that you're gonna rub a potato over someone's wart and get rid of the wart to me is kind of weird. Yeah, uh, I didn't discuss it last time. There were lots of like random like things that they would do to cure issues like that. It all just feels kind of childish <laughs> to like like I the, there's the one powwower who had like. Was it a lock of hair or something? He uh, he he thought he was being hexed by someone, so he had something like wrapped in a piece of paper mm-hmm. and tied shut. And, he, a, yeah. and he's like, I will, "I'll never, I'll never get rid of this because then the hex will come back." And <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, okay, <laughs> do you want a cookie now? Or <laughs> do you want a cookie now? Um, I'm sorry to anyone who believes in this. I just can't. I I just can't. Uh, again, I think which is interesting because I believe in like demons <laughs> and ghosts yeah. and. Um, well, again, like, but that's our religion. So what Kyle's saying there is like, we're all fighting over who's the right person. Who's yeah, not. yeah. I think there's truth in everything. But I think if you delve too far into certain things, drink too much of the Kool-Aid, bad things are going to happen. For sure. So, again, the fact that in yes, last week's discussion was, you know, don't tell your real doctor you're seeing a hex doctor or a powwower because then they might get angry. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> oh, and like if it doesn't work after six, seven times, well, you don't have enough faith in Jesus. No, I have cancer. You know, <laughs> I don't know. So there are times when there are times. So uh-huh. I agree with you, Kyle. I agree. Yeah. I think the I think the death is just sitting there going, all right, we just giving you five more minutes. Okay, here we go. Oh, they believe in powwow. They're on the uh, express checkout. I see. <laughs> express. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So anyway, after the York Witch Trials, as it became known, all right, but just crazy. Uh, so after that, all of these different hex stories start popping up. Okay. So one was actually labeled a hex murder. It was in March of 1929, and her name was Verna Delp. Yeah, okay. Quite the name, yes. All the, these names that just aren't, don't exist anymore. Rural Pennsylvania, baby. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so in March of 1929, her body was discovered in the woods of Catasauqua near Allentown. And she was 21. All right. right. Okay. Um, On her body were three pieces of paper with magical charms written on them, supposedly to protect from murder and theft. So you find her body and she's got charms on it. Uh, Hmm. A coroner. That didn't work. Oops. Uh, The coroner's report identifies three poisons in her body as well. And it appears that she had taken them voluntarily. So, yeah, you trust Check that power. <laughs> yeah. Uh, her adoptive father, August Durhammer, revealed to the police that he had recently learned that Verna was taking treatments from a powwower and that she'd been planning on visiting him the day that she died. Mm. So, yes, the powwower was named Charles T. Bells, and he was arrested thanks to the fact that the police were sure he had done this and they had another hex murder on their hands. Oh. So I kind of feel bad for him. If it wasn't him, like, oh, you're a power. It's got to be you. Hello, modern day witchcraft. Like, you know, the hunting down of witches. Yeah. Yeah. Again, less than 100 years ago in rural Pennsylvania, this is happening. This is 1928, right? 29 now. 29. We're in 29. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, again, less than 100. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, um, at first he denies that he was treating her, but later he admits that he was helping her with her eczema. Not giving her lotions, giving her poisons instead, I guess. He claimed only to be a faith healer. Not can't a Can't have type. bad skin if you don't have skin. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> your, your skin can't be itchy if you are dead and can't If can you itch. can't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Um, so he's like, I'm just a faith healer. I'm not a hex doctor. Those are different. I didn't hex her. I just used my faith to heal her. Again, there's a difference, right? Define heal. Anyway. <laughs> The the, the 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 cops don't believe him as like we're making fun of this, <laughs> but the thing is like they can't find every, any evidence to like link him to this crime, but they hold him anyway. I think it's Cause, interesting because that's legal. Yeah, well, <laughs> back then it was. Uh, but anyway, as the investigation continues, they learn that Verna may have been pregnant, and she had oh not gosh. seen her boyfriend, uh, a truck driver named Masters, for several months. Uh, she had not yet told her family of her situation. Maybe she's looking for a way to end her pregnancy. Yeah. You know, this is before, like, modern abortion, I would say, right? That explain the poisons, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have that going on. Also, it came to light that um, the police just believed that it was Bells still. Even though we have the background of Masters, her being pregnant out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It has to be this guy. Yeah. Because they have this obsession, right, with hexes and curses. Um, so they ignore all the possibilities like a botched abortion attempt or suicide or murder by someone other than Bells. Mm-hmm. Uh, by April, they have no evidence, so they finally have to let him go, but they decide to charge him anyway. Even though mm-hmm. they have zero evidence to let him go, they charge him. Um, he does receive a hearing in mid-April, and from there, he is released on a $10,000 bail, which this is 1929, so oof. Ooh. Yeah. Now, the charges were eventually dropped, and the murder of Verna Delp was never solved. And there's more to that story, like the thought that maybe the guy who got her pregnant wanted her dead because he didn't want to deal with that responsibility. Yeah. And they just kind of like planted all that stuff on her body to make it look like a hex doctor had gone after her because the witch trials just happened, right? There was discussion that, you know, he could have given her a drink that had poison and she didn't realize it was poisoned, of course, mm-hmm. which killed her. But, I mean, that's that's how bad it was with all of the hex beliefs. that They were like, you know, we've got to get all these people from killing people. So then we jump forward to January of 1930. So a little less than a year later, Mrs. Harry McDonald is 34. She's a housewife from Reading. She dies after receiving severe burns in her own home. Do you want to know how she did it? How? 
she had apparently been given some ointment from a hex doctor with instructions to rub it on her skin. At some point in the night, her body went up in flames when she got too close to her stove. Oh, no. Yeah, so whatever was in the ointment made her light on fire. Yep, she was seriously injured, and when her husband, who worked the night shift, um, found her in the morning, she was on the verge of death and had been laying there for a very long time. Yeah. Yes, she could not be saved. Of course, she does pass away. Yeah. It's a little more than seriously injured. That's awful, right? Yeah. The woman's brother then tells reporters that he believed the lotion she was using was very flammable, of course, and caught fire, killing a sister. He had no evidence, but the press latched on to that. And, of course, that had the occult connections for a long time. Another hex panic murder occurred on January 20th, 1932. Um, It was the body of a Philadelphian man named Norman Bechtel. He was 31. He was discovered in Germantown under a tree. Um, And it Mm. was on like a temporarily vacant estate. Mm -hmm. So he's there kind of all alone. Um, He was an accountant and a Mennonite church worker. Mm. Obviously, he then believes in, you know, hexes and that because he's from that section. That heritage, yeah. Yep. But he had nine stab wounds in and around his heart. Oh. Oh, yeah. Some of the wounds appeared to form the shape of a circle and were delivered with such a force that they were not only penetrating through his suit and coat, but his eyeglass case in its pocket as well. Oh, my god! Like, it was really stabbed in there. Yeah. Um, there was a crescent-shaped cut, too, on each side of his forehead, but then a vertical slash from his hairline to his nose. Hmm. Right? Because at first I was like, well, all the stabs around the heart, like, if you're going to... Try and kill somebody. Yeah, you're just going to aim for the torso. Yeah. But... The other, the face stuff kind of puts the rest of it into perspective. It's interesting. Yeah, like, yeah. That's different. And then there were two additional cuts that actually ran off from the vertical slashes in the direction of the crescent cuts. So, like, there was more on his face. It's getting oh, like this weird, my. like, shape. Yeah. All of his valuables, by the way, had been taken, and his car was later discovered six miles away. So, huh. could have been a murder. Cover up with uh, the hex kind of thing, right? Um, from the blood stains in the automobile, though, it was clear that he had known his attacker well enough to let him or her into his car. The case gave all the appearances of a robbery gone bad, but there were those pesky facial cuts. Yeah, that you know? shows a lot more than... Yep. So they're... Ha- they, they're they, of course, the cops latch onto hex murdering again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. So with that being said, it was learned, too, that he had grown up on a farm near Boyertown. And that's where, um, that's still, that today, like, that is a very common area to have powwow practicing going on. They start looking for evidence over there. Uh, Captain Harry Heenley, the chief investigator, had the victim's apartment search for any possible connection. But all they found were Mennonite books and pamphlets. Hmm. So not even the long lost friend. But even with that, they still kept calling it a hex murder. Yeah. Because why not? Eight. Now we're going to go to April 1937. So just a couple of years later. Okay. William Jordan, 36, confessed that he and four others had killed Bechtel when they had been attempting to blackmail him. Most of the details of Jordan's confession were not publicly released, as Bechtel had, had been involved in several love affairs. So being a midnight still didn't really help. He was uh, quite the man. Yeah. And he had a large life insurance policy. Needless to say, this murder had nothing to do with hexes, but still got lumped in with that hexing. And it took like five years to find the culprits because they admitted the deed. Otherwise, you've been labeled a hex murder forever. So what I like about this is you have that like mass. And I was just listening to um, last podcast. and I was like, hey, this fits us. That mass hysteria moment where like you you just believe whatever's happening Mm -hmm. and you latch onto it. So it doesn't matter if it's 1692. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, the 1300s over in Europe. You latch onto that mass hysteria and you start to believe it. You start drinking the Kool-Aid kind of thing. Yeah. And so because they assumed it was Powell related... They, la- they, they labeled it, and mm-hmm. therefore they didn't allow themselves to be open to any other possibility, like, you know, an actual murder of friends. Yep. Right? Which is, ugh, anyway. So last true hex murder that actually happened in Pennsylvania, though, it occurred in Pottsville. All right? Schuylkill County. I love reading these words because I feel so smart. And then I think anybody who's not from Pennsylvania, they're like, you got the word Schuylkill out of that? You pronounce it that way? I, I love our words. Tunkanic. Schuylkill. <laughs> oh, Catasauqua. Again, that one. I just read that earlier. Oh, yeah. They're easy for us. It rolls her off the tongue, but you know. Or even just troop. <laughs> Forgot about troop. Because it's spelled throop. Throop, yeah. Anyway, so March seventeenth, nineteen thirty-four, a Saint shot. Patrick's Day. Yes, right. 
but it's also the, also the Ides of March. Mm. Mm. A shotgun blast ended the life of Mrs. Susan Mummy, 63, as it tore through her living room window while she was standing next to her adopted daughter. Shotgun gets her. So someone was shooting like from outside, aims through the window, and gets her. That's tough to do with a shotgun. It's easy to do when you're a hunter. This story I find it, it's quite a fascinating. Shotgun. All shotguns do is just shoot BBs. You know, like lots of BBs. But so from far away, they're those BBs are pretty spread out oh, by yeah. the time they get to you. Well, and like again, she's next to her adopted daughter, but there's also one of her boarders because she runs a boarding house. So it says here she was attending to the injured foot of her boarder, Jacob Bryce, who was seated in front of her. The oil lamp that her daughter was holding shattered as the shot tore through the window. So yeah, oh my they're gosh. going everywhere, but only Mummy got killed. The other two, they took cover, not knowing if morgue shots were going to come. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, they waited all night in fear. So there, the mother is dead on the ground. They're just hiding in that room all Jeez. night out of fear. So as morning approached, Rice decides to go, like, look. Then he takes a two-and-a-half-mile trip to Ringtown to report the crime. Because, again, this is rural Pennsylvania, 1934. Mm-hmm. No, it was less than 100 years ago, but it was Pennsylvania. It's rural. So the police thought the murder was a result of some backwoods feud that turned violent. You know, like, oh, and Hatfields and McCoys kind of thing. Nope. It took a bizarre turn when Albert Shinsky, 24, confessed to the killing. So he comes forward and confesses. He claimed that he ki- the killing had been in self-defense and that Mummy had placed a hex on him seven years earlier when he was working in a field across from the Mummy farm. I was hexed for seven years because of her. I was 17 seven years old and she years. got me. Yeah. So I had to kill her because of that hex. It's a long time to... To hold the grudge? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to be hexed is probably a long time, too. Anyway, I guess there had been a dispute over property lines. And one day, Mrs. Mummy came over the fence and stared at him for a long time. Freaked him out. And uh, he claimed that he felt cold perspiration come over him. And his arms went limp from her staring at him. From that point on, he was unable to work. It was sheer torture. (laughs) Um, oh, I've been hexed. <laughs> oh, no. Some old lady stared gotta, at me I too long. I gotta stay home tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah, go on without me. But what, again, the, I, at the age of 17, like we already know this from our mental health training as teachers, like that's when you start having these um, mental health problems. Start really, They start showing up in your teenage years because your brain is going through changes. You're getting new hormones in your body. So a lot of schizophrenia can actually show up at the age of like 12, 13, yep. depending, mm-hmm. right? Puberty. So, yeah. So he claimed that whenever he saw a sharp object... It would change into the shape of a black cat. Not unlike our kitty cat Binks here in the house, but it had flaming eyes too. And he could not look away. So if you saw like a knife, black cat, can't stop watching it. The cat also appeared to him. What's the logic behind this? Like I don't would... know, but there's more to it. Cause it's oh some, my, okay. Sometimes it would appear to him when he was in bed at night. It would creep slowly across the room and jump onto his bed. It probably was a real cat, but you know. Anyway, uh, the I mean, well, if it's only sharp objects, that means a walking knife was Ooh. waddling around on the bed, right? <laughs> uh, the the Apparently, the appearance of this cat made him get cold. That perspiration would kind of happen again. But he would have to get up and run around the room to get warm again because he was so ice cold from it. He sought help from several powwowers, but nothing worked. His family thought he was lying and was just too lazy to work. Could be good. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> but no, 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 no. The thought hadn't crossed my mind at all. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he genuinely believed that he was cursed and that he had to get rid of it. Uh, so he decides it has to be her and he decides to kill her because once she's gone, guess what? The curse is gone. So prosecutors wanted to give him the death penalty for the murder, but the press once again emphasized the danger of believing in things like powwow medicine. So even over all the objections of the police and the prosecutors and a commissioner of doctors, this one section of doctor said, no, 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 he's insane. Let's take him to Fairview State Hospital, not Harrisburg State Hospital. Oh, that's good. He remained in that mental institution for most of the rest of his life. He does transfer to a different one at one point, but you know, whatever, like he yeah. is insane. So he is labeled as insane and he is committed for the rest of his life. Mm which is a good thing if it's a decent hospital. We should now do a a whole different thing on the Fairview State Hospital and see if it's anything like Pennhurst and Harrisburg. Probably yes. There's another one, too, that's nearby that we can do out near State College. We should also do Eastern State, like I said. That's June. 
Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to that. Oh, we're definitely, yeah. It's, a, it's happening. Harry, check the prices. I'm ready to go. So, anywho, so that was the last true hex murder, okay? Mm-hmm. And again, to put in context, well less than 100 years ago, because that was the latter half of the 1930s. So, we're talking, like, that's, like, pre-World War II, sure, but only by a couple of years. People still have powwow doctors today. They're mm-hmm. in the documentary. It's crazy. Don't believe it's something so much that you're going to go shoot a person because that guy could have killed all three of those people, but only killed one person. He was a good shot. Yeah, right. But good Lord. So anyway, the modern day Hex House. It still sits there. Obviously, it's being run by family members. It is a museum. It displays his life, his murder, all the books, all that kind of stuff. His shotgun. <laughs> shotgun. They, they, take, they take a lot of time to, to showcase that shotgun in the video. I think it's cool. They still have like the house is furnished with his like original belongings too. Like it's it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Of course, they mentioned the per- portion of the floor uh, is covered with glass with those like LED light strips to make it yeah. look really cool. That's interesting. Um, but there are stories of it being haunted. So this is why I wonder because they're the haunting of it, right? Mm-hmm. They don't discuss this in the documentary. No, this is not. That documentary is not about ghosts, ghosts or anything like that. This is. It's it more showcases like because right now it's a museum of not even about the um the Rymeyers. It's a museum about life in the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. That's what it showcases. Early nineteen so, hundreds. Both. A little bit of both. Like they have <laughs> yeah. like big scythes hanging on the wall and things like that. You know, it's a the shotgun house. in the with the original shells, like in their little paper, paper packaging. Yeah. Uh so that's really what they wanted to talk about was the history of it and all that. And they completely ignore all the paranormal aspects of it. Yes. So the house, if you um, talk to community residents, they'll tell you that you can see shadowy figures that are lurking around the property when no one's there. And they're it's stealthy. Crazy. Yes. So these figures, and they don't think it's just like Ray Meyer. It, it could be like the three men there too. Mm-hmm. Because they're kind of like stealthing around the house trying to find a way in. Uh, and it's very obvious that there's this outline. Like you can see this dark, yeah. shoddy figure that's kind of like walking. And there's multiple ones of them. Others state that if you throw rocks or pebbles at the house, they get thrown back at you. <laughs> I think that's cool. How'd they figure that out? Like who's throwing rocks at this yeah. house? Well, let's go try it out. The house is there. Let's go get some pebbles. <laughs> let's see what happens. But also you can hear disembodied voices. Um, they've been recorded too. Oh. Which I think is cool. And that's in the forest surrounding the home. So it's not just the house. Mm-hmm. It's the forest area too. And there is also a black dog with red eyes that has been spotted roaming the property. Which not is Not a black cat with red eyes. No. But in some of my research, there was a story of a person who thought he was hexed. And um, it was after he had accidentally murdered somebody. And so for years, he thought that this black thing was following him. And he was hexed by the person's, like, you know, soul. And that's supposed to be a symbol of, like, death. Like, that that's coming to get you. It's stalking yeah, you, right? Yeah. So it's interesting to see that there is this dog. Because if it's a dog with red eyes, it's supposed to symbolize death. But it's there on the property. Mm-hmm. So it's just fascinating to me. So creepy, shadowy figures. Rocks getting ch- tossed. You disembodied voices. A creepy dog. Very, very haunted. And I like it. But that's all I got for you in terms of its hauntedness. Yeah. Do you think I it's could, haunted? I could see it being haunted, but I don't know. I feel like there would be more accounts of it other than just, well, I mean, they only just opened up the museum too. So who knows yeah. in a couple of years when we have more people like outsiders to account any stories that they might experience. I think that's a good time to make a decision on that. Right let's now, just, I must... Let's go trespass and walk through the <clears throat> There woods. we go. Yep, that's it. <laughs> no way is that bad. That's the answer. <laughs> Trespassing with EVP recording. That's fine. <laughs> oh, and I just... And I feel sad, too. Like, if those shadowy figures are, like, the three men who killed Ray Meyer, and, like, their souls are, like, kind of trapped there reliving it, or if, like, if it's, like, a residual thing, okay, but if it's, like, an intelligent, like, they're stuck there, I just feel kind of bad for them. Yeah. You know, if they, they, they still... murdered somebody. I shouldn't, like, I shouldn't yeah. say I feel bad for them. No, I mean, I mean, like, I just... Like, if they still feel hexed and they feel like they didn't get rid of it, so they're still trying to remove it from Or if themselves. they feel so much guilt now from having killed him, they can't move on. I mean, the guilt mm. is something like, like, that also makes me sad. So. Yeah. 
because Nelson was a good guy, you know. He'd probably be like, you know, after a while, he'd probably be like, you know, you're forgiven. I could see him, like, you know, forgiving based on the stories that they've had, they've told about him. Well, to find a while for eternity, I mean. <laughs> That's true. That's it can true. only be a couple seconds for him. And so he, he might, you know, they might be waiting for a I'm little bit. I'm still mad at you. <laughs> Do not come in this house. The answer is no. I will not serve you tea. No breakfast for you. So, yeah, it, I mean, if that's the case, uh, yeah, they could just be waiting for forgiveness. Yeah. Like your favorite show when one person yes. stuck outside the church can't go in. Yeah. Minimal spoilers, but the ending of Lost is freaking awesome. It's very intelligent. Yes. So then why the black dog? Because death already happened. So is it symbolic that death happened here? I think so. Yeah. An unnatural Just death. this um, bad omen that kind of walks the land kind of deal. I do want to say that um, if Blymeyer believed he had a hex, he went to jail. So uh, murdering a dude is not going to stop the hex. <laughs> no, bad things are going to continue to come your way. <laughs> Murder is not it's the probably answer. Probably worse things. I mean, <laughs> I think living with the hex would have been better than jail. If he had gone to an actual doctor and, like, actually had seeked some help, maybe he would have gotten some medicine to help yeah. with all of that. It's just very sad. So, people, please go to your doctor. If you're feeling weird, talk to your doctor. Not not a hex doctor. Not a power faith healer. Speak to your doctor before starting a new medicine. <laughs> <laughs> As all the commercials medicine. say. <laughs> oh, but that's all I have for Hex Hollow. That's all I got. Two-parter. That's really easy. cool. Yeah. I kind of want to visit, but... Like, it's pretty close to us. It is. It is. Um, I'm just not sure. Like, yeah, the museum has like a hayride too. Goes around yeah. the, the land. Oh, because I forgot to mention that happened over Thanksgiving. It was the it was then of November, November 26th or 28th. Yeah, yeah. So like when when they say Thanksgiving down there, they go, oh yeah, the hex murders. Like yeah, that's the first thing that pops up in their yeah. head. Not like you know pumpkin pie. They're <laughs> thinking like oh murder. Um, so they it's right on the time when you're gonna have um, hayrides and yeah, pumpkins. Yeah. So it would be a neat thing to see. If you live in Pennsylvania, take a trip down down that way. Yep, because they had issues like with COVID. They wanted to open, then the COVID happened. Yeah. But now it is officially opened, and hay rides and pumpkins and oogie boogie 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 boogies. That's all I got. Okay. I'm, I'm sick. That's the best <laughs> I got. <laughs> Shut up. All right. Well, anyway, we're, what are we discussing next, do you think? I would like to do Eastern State. But that's not until June. That's not till June. We're waiting. Lauren, you're going to help us with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I have lots of research. Mm -hmm. So much research. You know, what we should do is ask our, our listeners, because if you got to this part in our uh, podcast here, we have hit over 5,000 downloads for the Wellhouse Exorcism alone. Yep. So we're going to hold a giveaway again. Woohoo! You're going to get a magnet for your car. You're going to get a t-shirt. And you're going to get a really cool button. I'm not going to say what it is. It's a secret button. Some cool stuff coming. Mm, mm. Some free merch. Mm, mm. I'm dancing. <laughs> it's exciting. Uh, only to the uh, United States, though, because I'm sorry for any uh, all of our <laughs> listeners out there. But when we did our Wingspan giveaway, you know, we shipped a $40 game and a $20 tote. And it was like $150 to ship it. Um so I we we just can't we just can't do overseas shipping everyone so it has to be in the United States. The giveaway is exciting though, so hop yeah. on. You can hop onto gamesoverboard.com and hit our contact button. You can email us at gamesoboard at gmail .com or hop on Facebook. Well, I'll actually have the picture up starting uh, Monday. Yeah, we're recording well before that. Yeah. Um, so you can see it. We'll have it live for a week, and we will get our actual winner of the next podcast episode so when you're on there you can tell us what you want to hear next yes mm -hmm. yeah please we want to hear from you please talk we've only us. had one person uh message us on facebook and, yeah and uh he's gonna go to the bunker it's very exciting we're gonna go too once it gets warmer i, I really want to go there i want to get all his, i told me to come on here with his evps one by our house mm -hmm. that'd be awesome yep our listener tim who got uh, who messaged us when you're on the bunkers and we discussed that we got to discuss Eastern State because I want to know if you've done EVP work there because I think you'd find that fascinating. So hop on Facebook, Tim, and like the uh, picture and put your name in for the running because I want to send you a T-shirt. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> if he wins, it's going to be... He messages us. <laughs> <laughs> He's on 
on Facebook, obviously. But wouldn't it be cool if he actually won? Like you won, um, Eric. Party wanted. Party wanted. <laughs> like randomly. <laughs> I love when things like just happenstance happen. All right. Well, anyway, back to thank you, Kyle. Shout. Out. Oh, I want to say, Tim, you would love listening to Liminal Unlimited. It's our uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law's podcast. Um, it's all about creepy cryptids and stuff. I think you'd find it quite fascinating. So hop mm-hmm. on that too. So shout out to Tim if you're listening. But that's all I got for this evening because I am sick and I need your mom mom's drink. Yes. So I'll probably just take some Benadryl and go to bed. But, you know. Yeah, that too. <laughs> take two Benadryl. Call me in the morning. <laughs> Well, anyway, everybody, have a lovely evening. It was nice talking to you. I hope you enjoyed learning about hexes and power medicine. Have a fantastic evening and a fantastic week. <laughs>